0: Coming to you from Classic City,
1: the capital of the Bulldog Nation.
0: It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler
1: and Curtis.
0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. Hope everyone's staying safe and keeping some semblance of your sanity intact out there. As you guys know, I'm Tyler and back with me today is my co-host Curtis and as promised earlier in the week, today we're going to break down the second round of our Glory UGA Greatest Georgia Football Players of the Past 25 Years tournament. And as we did with the first round last week, and if you missed those episodes, you can still go back and check them out. In fact, you might actually want to check them out first before you listen to this second round episode, but whatever works for you. But anyway, as we did last week, We're going to discuss each matchup here in the second round. We will discuss some more than others because some picks are just kind of obvious to anyone who actually watched Georgia football over the past 25 years. We want to focus more time on the more competitive second round matchups. And then we will announce the winners that will be moving on to the Sweet 16 next week. Of course, as we've done each of the past two weekends, we are going to post those Sweet 16 matchups to Twitter and you can follow us on Twitter at GloryUGA. And we're gonna give all of you awesome and loyal listeners a chance to vote on each matchup and make your voice heard. Uh, and look, I know most of you guys out there listened to the two first round episodes last week. So if that's the case, if, if that's you, you already know how this is gonna work. But I know we might have some people who missed that, those episodes. So anyone who may have missed the, the first round episodes, it's pretty simple. I'm gonna run through this very, very quickly a simple process. There are three votes that will determine the winner of each individual matchup. Curtis gets one vote, I get one vote, and you guys, our listeners, get one collective vote based on your Twitter votes. Uh, The matchups, the bracket at large, they were randomly generated. What Curtis and I did is we basically came up with 64 names over the past 25 years that we felt deserved a bid into this tournament. In uh, like any tournament there's gonna be some controversy there those te- those guys in the bubble, some guys that might have gotten left out that you guys feel like should have been on there, some guys that we got that we gave a bid to that you felt maybe shouldn't be on there, but uh, again uh those guys probably aren't gonna have much of a chance to win anyway uh we took those sixty four names we put them in a bracket generator, and it randomly spit out this bracket. So when when you have a situation like that, when it's all kind of randomized in terms of who gets matched up in the first round, potential matchups in the second round, the Sweet 16, so on and so forth, you're going to get some matchups that are really competitive and really intriguing, and you're going to get some matchups that aren't as great. But um, that's just kind of how it works. Obviously, as we get further and further into the tournament, the matchups get better and more difficult to pick. Again, it's just like the NCAA basketball tournament or any other tournament The further you get and the deeper you get in the tournament, the better the matchups become. So that's how it works. But enough explanation. Let's go ahead and roll into the matchups. And we're going to switch things up today. And we're going to start with the white region. Last week, we did the red and black regions first. And and you guys know how this works. When you're doing a podcast like this, you almost always end up spending more time on the front end, talking about the, the matchups earlier on in the show. Because at least me, I'm not really... Worrying as much about time at that point, and you get into good conversations. You lose track of time, and then you end up having to rush through the last couple of matchups. And we kind of felt like that happened a little bit in the first round, so we wanted to give the white region and those matchups some love today. Make sure we talk about those matchups first and foremost, and then move in to everything else after that. Um, all right, so Kurt, this was this was an interesting exercise that we did last week talking about the different matchups. Um, in the first round, and some of them were, were more competitive than others, and some of them were pretty obvious. But I still think it's a, the, the most interesting aspect of this to me is, like, how do you define greatness? And we talked about this a little bit on, uh, I guess, the shows last week. But when you were going through these matchups, and you were making your individual picks, like, what was it typically, just, just in general, like, what was the deciding factor for you? When you're looking at, like, greatest player, what does great mean to you?
1: Um. Really, I just kind of try to pay attention to the impact they left while at the University of Georgia. You know, the stats they put up, the importance they were to the team. Um, just, you know, really almost looking at like an MVP type player while with their time at the University of Georgia. And that was, that was really what I paid attention to.
0: So that, that's interesting there because, like, it's – when you're talking about greatest college players, well, these guys – a lot of these guys, if they're great college players, can also go on and have great NFL careers, while some of them maybe kind of overachieved and weren't, like, a, the pro-typical type of athlete and don't necessarily have that great NFL career. So you look more at what they did while at Georgia. Is that what you're saying? Yeah yeah i think there's one there's one matchup in particular where i think that's really going to come into play we'll talk about that more I, I think i i think i err on the side of of agreeing with you there Kerr. like what did you do at, at at georgia more so than what you did in the nfl i think what you did in the nfl should count but i if, if all things all, everything else being equal i would go with what you did at georgia but i mean there's a lot of different aspects of this to me it's you got to factor in individual accomplishments, like you know, okay. Were you all SEC? Were you All America? What national award did you win? Were you a Player of the Year? That kind of thing. Uh, I think, like for you, does team success factor in the equation at all for you, Kurt? Like championships won, that kind of thing?
1: Um, not really, because I think sometimes when you go into that way, I mean, you're looking at more of a teams more. The, I, I think like, that, that can
0: whole- be a tiebreaker, maybe. But yeah, I'm with you. I think I, that's not one of like the the leading indicators for me. I think that's maybe like if everything else is equal across the board, then maybe. That breaks the tie. Um, I think, like you mentioned, association with George. I think that's a big thing, like the intangible aspect of it. like, like greatness is really tough to quantify. I guess is the point I'm getting at here. And I think the intangibles that has to be factored in. Like, what do you mean to the fan base? How do they feel about you? What do? How do they remember you? Uh, and like, how are you? How much are you associated with the University of Georgia? I think Nick Chubb is a perfect example of that. Because I'm not sure how many of you realize this, but Nick Chubb, as great as he was for us, and as much as we love him, he was never an All-American. You might think so based on kind of his legend and, and what we think of him, but he never made an All-American team during his time here in Athens. But we all remember Nick Chubb as fondly like as maybe any Georgia player ever. I think a lot of us can say that. And that's because of the adversity over Kane, the, the guy he was, the leader he was, the, the kind of mythical work ethic, that he put in behind the scenes, all of those kind of things. Um, and I think you factor in championships and coming back for your senior year, like those intangible type things. I think that factors in as well. So it's really tough to quantify. And I guess I, I, wanted to open with that here uh, because that conversation, because I, I know some of these, you guys might not agree with us and we might have a different pick than you. And I, and it doesn't mean that you're wrong or we're wrong. It's just that some people look at this, uh, this exercise, maybe a little bit differently and define greatness a little bit differently, but all right, let's go ahead and get into the first matchup in the white region. We've got two defensive players, two defensive studs, really. We've got Roquan Smith versus Marcus Stroud. All right, Kurt. So the fans, our listeners, voted on this one, and they came out with it was a landslide on the fan vote uh, for Roquan Smith. He got ninety-one percent of our listeners' votes. Curtis, who did you go? With? Did you did you agree with the listeners and go with Roquan, or did you think maybe Stroud deserved to vote? Um, I
1: I went with him and kind of went through the Roquan route because I mean I think in my opinion he reestablished um you know the import I mean he was that first big inside linebacker for Kirby and you know kind of setting the standards and so now every time we're recruiting an inside linebacker prospect especially under Kirby Smart we our question that we always ask is is, is he the next Roquan Smith
0: and also we can and when you talk about recruiting having a guy like that there are, there always has to be a first right like now we yeah. got Jamie Newman hope to god we can play a season we have this dual threat quarterback like we've got this guy that's probably gonna be our starter if we have a season like almost certainly and if we have success with him we actually utilize his skill set the way that a dual threat quarterback skill set should be utilized he can be the first and we can point to him down the road and say hey all you other dual threat guys that we're now recruiting I know you weren't really listening to our pitches uh our recruiting pitch that much earlier because we, we didn't have any evidence that what we were saying was true, but now we got one. We got this guy. Look at what we did with him. And I think Roquan with Kirby Smart and, and also Glenn Schumann, when we're recruiting inside linebackers, we can point to Roquan and say, hey, guys, look at this dude. I mean, uh, we were recruiting Noah Sewell from Utah. And he had a brother who's playing an organ, and it came down to the last second. We almost got no whistle, and and a big part of that was obviously Kirby Smart and Glunstream and their personalities. But also, we could point and say, look what we did with Roquan Smith. Come here, and you can do that. So uh, I I do think that's really important. Um, But there there were a couple people that commented on this one on Twitter, so I want to spend just a second on this when we were running the the polls. And uh, there were some people talking about how this might have been a little bit of recency bias, and I think that's always – going to be the case when you're talking about these like greatest of the past 25 years matchups like we always typically are going to err on the side of the more recent places so they're just more fresh in our memory but do you see it that way kirk is like here's what i mean I, I went with roquan too so i'm with everyone as well but i'll say this I, i'm not saying roquan shouldn't win this matchup because i think he should but is it as clear cut as like 91 percent of the vote that the listeners came up with like, does he really deserve to win that much of a blowout over marcus stroud um, I mean, I think so. I mean, you I remember this guy was a Buckus Award winner. I mean,
1: throughout this entire year or into his entire junior year, I mean, every eye was on him as good as the defense was. uh, it, You know, he really carried the defense.
0: And when a big play had to be made, it was made by him. Yeah, absolutely. I think Roquan was like the definition of a difference maker. We had we had some good players on that 2017 defense. Don't get me wrong, we did. But we also had some guys that if they were on the team right now, they would not be starting. Like Dominic Sanders. Would Dom Sanders be starting right now for us? Uh, if he came in like he did when he was there, no. Yeah, like if Dominic Sanders came in this year as a freshman, is Dominic Sanders starting? No, no. he's just not. Like, good player, but probably not starting. Is Davin Bellamy starting if he came in as a freshman this year or last year? Uh, No. No, he's not. Good player. Love him. Awesome. Appreciate everything he did, but he's not. So we had some really good players, but I don't think we had up and down the defensive roster, the amount of talent that we have right now. And Roquan Smith, to me, was that difference maker. Like He was that guy. Uh, and I said it last week. I'll say it again. Like I think Roquan Smith should have won the Heisman Trophy. If the Heisman Trophy was truly about the best player in America, and not just the, the quarterback who put the best numbers on the best team, then Roquan Smith, in my opinion, had a really, really, really good argument to, at the very least, be in New York City for the Heisman Trophy presentation. Um, didn't get that invite because that's just not how the Heisman Trophy works, but um, I think he was arguably the best player in America in 2017. I think you can really make that argument. Stroud was dominant, though. I will say Stroud was a dominant defensive lineman, especially in 2000 when he was second-team All-SEC. He was a was a, a top-15 pick in the NFL draft. Um, I, just, I think he was really good, but I just – I don't think he was as good and as impactful as Roquan Smith was for us. That's why I went with Roquan. All right, next up. So they've got Roquan Smith. He will be taking on the winner of our next matchup, which is a, oh, this is a, I, this could be a potentially awesome Sweet 16 matchup. So we've got Roquan Smith versus the winner of Todd Gurley versus Eric Zire, quarterback Eric Zire, running back Todd Gurley. Kurth, the, uh, another blowout for the listener vote. Uh, Todd Gurley was a runaway winner uh, among the listeners with 94% of their vote. Was it the same story for you? Yeah, I, I think there's no question I went with Todd. Yeah, and Zyre, I know Zyre was before your time. Zyre was like, like basically as I was coming of age, like my earliest, earliest Georgia football memories, like Eric Zyre was the quarterback. So I was really, really young when he was uh, the signal caller. But um, he was a really good player, man. Um, he was really good. But Todd Gurley was maybe the best player I've ever seen with my own two eyes at the college level. And I've seen a lot of really good plays. I don't go back as far as Herschel, so I'm not trying to say Gurley was as good as Herschel for all uh, you old-timers out there who were fortunate enough to be able to see uh, Herschel Walker. I wish I could have seen him live and not just clips. Um, But Gurley may be the best I've ever seen with my own two eyes. i said that a couple times, and I'll keep saying that. Um, Talking about the Heisman Trophy with Rogue I think Gurley, I mentioned this last week, I think he would have won the Heisman Trophy in 2014, like legitimately, Uh, if he would have been healthy, uh, or if he hadn't got suspended, because he he started out on a tear. I was averaging like 170 ish yards a game. Uh, just uh, it was like 174 yards a game, nine yards a carry against Power Five opponents before he went out with the suspension. And Zaire was good, but for me, um, this is this was the deciding fact. Not only was Gurley as good as I've ever seen, Zaire why really really awesome. He was never the best quarterback in the SEC. Um, he, he he was a second best quarterback at times. He I mean, he topped out second team All SEC, but he was never the best. Player at his position in the league. When you're going up against Todd Gurley, who's maybe the best player I've ever seen with my own two eyes, I got to give uh, Gurley the edge here by a, by a pretty solid margin. So I'm with you guys. So we have an awesome Sweet 16 matchup. We'll put this out there on Twitter over the weekend. roquan Smith versus Todd Gurley, dude. That's a uh, that's an epic matchup in the Sweet 16. All right, moving on. This is a, now this is an incredible second round matchup. I I honestly this is a tough one. Um, we got Richard Seymour, defensive lineman Richard Seymour versus running back nick chubb i mean this to me is a, a matchup that should be saved for the sweet 16 elite eight type thing i think they both deserve to be there but here they are in the second round so curtis our listeners they uh didn't it wasn't as quite as big of a blowout here but still a, a pretty decisive victory for nick chubb with 80 percent of the listener vote you also went with nick chubb um uh, I, and an interest in full disclosure, I also went with Chubb. I and I thought about this one for more than a minute, but I went with Chubb. But I think this is a really interesting one because it kind of goes back to the the greatness argument. Like, how do you define that? Because Richard Seymour, Curtis, we're talking about putting Nick Chubb, a guy who never was a first team All sCC player, we're talking about potentially putting him over a probable future Hall of Famer because Richard Seymour. Uh, was a finalist for the NFL Hall of Fame in 2019, a three-time Super Bowl champion. He was on the 2000 All-NFL Decade Team, seven-time Pro Bowler. And go back to his college career, it wasn't just NFL. It wasn't one of those where he's kind of okay in college but really good in the NFL. No, he was a he was probably the, the most dominant interior defensive lineman in Georgia history, two-time All-SEC player, first-team All-American in the year 2000. So, Curtis, when you look at those, those accomplishments – that resume for Richard Seymour, it, you would think, like, if you just read out the accomplishments, you would say, okay, Richard Seymour by a landslide. But all of us, you, myself, and the listeners all went with Nick Chubb over Richard Seymour. So tell me why. Why does Chubb get a nod over a guy's well, accomplishment? I, I think a lot of it, I
1: think Richard Seymour is definitely one of those that he was just, it's been a while. I think that definitely uh, plays into his, uh, yeah. into why you go with Nick Chubb over him.
0: And that was, and Seymour also was, like, right there uh, just before Mark Rick comes in, kind of have our, our, our renaissance win the SEC title to, end the year to, in 2002 and then won 2005. He's just before, like, the end of the and era. And we weren't really great uh, at that point. That's why we had to get rid of Don and then hire a new coach. So I think that factors into it. Um, he, he was a dominant player, though, with George. I think, for me, it's that he didn't have the moments. Does that make sense? Yeah, I could see that. Like, the big-time moments – Um, And honestly, in Georgia history, uh, because like Chubb, I mean, clearly like he was not as accomplished as Richard Seymour was from uh, an award standpoint and a potential NFL hall, like that that kind of recognition. That wasn't what Chubb was. We all knew how great he was. He was he was splitting carries with Sonny Michelle. Um, He was never an All-American uh, I take that back. He was SEC freshman of the year. He was all SEC 2014. I, so I was kind of, somewhat wrong there. I just misread my own, my own notes here. He, but he was, what I, meant, what I should have said was he was never an all American, never a first team all American. Um, so when you're talking about a guy putting him over a guy like Richard Seymour, that's you're like, how? Um, but I think he just, what it comes down to for me is the intangibles. He meant so much more to this program than Richard Seymour did. And I know you can, you can argue recency bias. I, and that's fair to a point, but I don't think you can dispute what Nick Chubb means to the Georgia football program uh, and how beloved this guy is. I mean, as good as Seymour is and was and how much we love Richard Seymour, I think collectively the dog nation just has more love for Nick Chubb. Um, and he's more identif- identifiable as a dog. If you ask the average NFL fan, like, hey, where did Richard Seymour play college? Do you think like, the average guy on the street knows that, Kurt? No, not at all. No, and when you ask the same question about Nick Chubb, they're going to say Georgia real quick. Um, and obviously he's more recent, but like I, I just don't think people associate Richard Seymour as much with Georgia as they do Nick Chubb. And just I mean the adversity this guy had to overcome with the injuries, uh, coming back for his senior year, all of those things, leading us to an SEC title, getting us to the national title game. The Rose Bowl victory has some huge moments in the Rose Bowl, um, just huge moments as a dog. I, mean, I was at, I was in Missouri. I was at Missouri. When he had his coming out party, I was at that game. And uh, I remember actually, I got the news that Gurley was out with the suspension um, right. Uh, was it the suspension that year? Yeah, it was the suspension. Yeah. uh Right yeah. as actually I was on, it was a Thursday night, I was driving to Columbia, Missouri. And I got the news, when my buddies texted me in, and I was like, oh my God. And so the rest of the trip up there, I'm like, freaking out, oh my God, we're going to lose to Missouri. Jesus Christ. Nick Chubb, I mean, yeah, he's pretty good. And then the rest is history. We saw what happened, and that was that was incredible. So, uh, yeah, this is a tough one. I think it's tougher than 80% of the um, listener vote, but I'm going to go with Nick Chubb as well to advance the second round where he will take on – here's – talk about another incredible potential Sweet 16 matchup. So Chubb takes on the winner of David Pollock versus Drew Butler. Uh, David Pollock – uh was is an all timer we all know that um he ended up with eighty three percent of the listener vote, and the only reason it was less than um like ninety eight percent it was it was trending that direction but uh, somebody uh tagged butler uh drew butler on the on the tweet and he kinda got in there and, and got some people and was asking for votes and that kind of thing so we had a little thing going on, on Twitter there, so the people were kind of helping Butler out to try to ease the blow a little bit so but I think we all know Kurt Pog's the answer right? yeah, no question about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on this one. The only uh, One of only two, three-time All-Americans in UGA history. Uh, a flat-out Mount Rushmore George Bulldog, in my opinion. Butler, great player. Awesome. Love Drew. But uh, just um really tough second-round draw for Drew Butler. David Pollock's the uh, the obvious answer there. So that is the white region. Let's go ahead and let's move on to the red region. And the first matchup here is a matchup of two. Really good defensive players for us uh, in the mid-2000s, or mid-2010s, I guess is what you call it. I don't know what you call that. We've got uh, Alec Ogletree, linebacker Alec Ogletree versus DB Brandon Boykin. Uh, this one was a little bit closer than the, some of those that we saw in the white region. Ogletree won the listener vote with 70% of the vote. Curtis, you also won Alec Ogletree, as did I. Uh, why Ogletree over Boykin? I think Ogletree is very
1: similar to Roquan. I think he's one of these new age linebackers, you know, where um, he kind of changed what we expected, especially as we went to a 3-4 system under Todd Grantham. He was that new toy, um, you know, the one that could run the field and do it all. Um, And I think you just remember all the big plays that he made against Alabama, uh, you know, the block kick and return for touchdown, Georgia Tech where he slams the guy. Um, He was just, you know, a very big, important piece of that defense that almost led us all the way.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great synopsis there, man. I love that. I uh, I agree with everything you said there. I'll also add this. Like, for me, when I was deciding between these two, just – like, you look at their their accomplishments, and they both had similar awards. Uh, they both topped out at second team All-SEC during their career. So there wasn't much uh, separation there. But so for me, ultimately, I just went down to, like, who did I think was the better player? I mean, I watched both these guys, every single game they played, every single snap, multiple times, went back and rewatching games – and uh, just came down to who I thought was better. And honestly, I just thought Ogletree, like Boykin was really, really good and was very versatile for us. I just thought Ogletree was a better player. He was better at his position, better at what he did than Brandon Boykin was. I'm not saying by a, by a landslide, but I just, in my opinion, thought Ogletree was better, so therefore I went with him. And he advances on to the Sweet 16 where he will take on the winner of our next matchup. We've got Rodrigo Blankenship versus Ben Watson. Now, this one was pretty close, um, and I'm curious what you have to say about this one. Curtis uh, Rodrigo's playing ship has been a fan favorite for the past three, four years. We know that, uh, but he only won this vote, the listener vote, uh, with a uh, with 65 of the vote. So a comfortable victory, but not an overwhelming victory like some of the ones that came in, in the white region. Uh, you also went with Rodrigo, as did I. We all went with Rod, but the question is why? Like, how can you? Why did we all pick a uh, kicker of all players over a long time, very very good, maybe not elite, but very very good NFL football player. Why Rod, Kurt?
1: I think Rod just had the better career when it really comes down to it. Um, everything yep. he did, he had the better college career, right? Yeah,
0: and and that's what you know I said earlier. We're talking about greatness. Like NFL careers are great, and that should factor into this. But I always go with the college. It's if if. if Two guys in the same matchup, and you got one guy that had the better college career and one guy that had the better NFL career. And, and I, I go with the guy with the better college career, unless the guy with the NFL career was just like like a Hall of Fame type NFL career. I mean, there's degrees to better. Um, but Rod, I think, was a much better college player. Watching it, I mean, we don't know what Rod's going to be in, in the NFL. We'll see if he even gets a shot. I don't know. Watson clearly has the NFL career over him, but Rod was a better college player, had a better college career. Watson was never a dominant or elite college player. He was really good, but he wasn't like a, a dominant type, elite type player. I, I wouldn't classify him in that regard as, at all. Whereas Rod absolutely was. And Rod's the great story behind him. Comes in as a walk on, earns his, his way into getting a scholarship, has some big moments. Kicking Notre Dame, kicking the Rose Bowl, it might have won that game. Got us back into that game. Um, did have a few misses, but when you're a kicker, you're going to have some misses. Uh, became an elite kickoff guy after really struggling that his first year, uh, and just had the really goofy, great, awesome, unique personality. Um, it was just a fan favorite. So for me, uh, that's why I ultimately went with Rodrigo. So we've got a Alec Ogletree versus Rodrigo shit matchup in the Sweet 16. So we'll be looking forward to that next week. All right, next matchup here now. We've got Jake Fromm, quarterback. We all know who Jake Fromm is. I not even to, to clarify that. Uh, versus Max Gene Gillis. Uh, Kurt, Fromm won easily here. He got 84% of the listener vote. You also went with Fromm. Now, uh, I, I had to make amends. Last week, I did not vote for Jake Fromm in the first round. Uh, but in this round, absolutely, I've got to go with Jake Fromm. Uh, so for you, Kurt, why was Jake Fromm the winner here? Um. Just, I mean, you got to look at
1: the career put together. I think that once again, I mean, I was looking at, you know, everything he did for the University of Georgia leading us, you know, I kind of did vote for him last round. And I think all the reasons I voted for him last time I, is the reason why I picked him over yeah. Ma- uh, Max this round.
0: Yeah. And look, I, I, as the president of Jake Fromm fan club today, forever and always, um, I got to make amends for last week. Cause I, I picked Terrell Davis over Jake Fromm the first round. I got outvoted by you and the fans, Kurt, but, uh, and, tr- and like, I think obviously Fromm had the better college career. But it was one of the situations where, yes, I always err on this. I usually err on the side of the better college career. But like Terrell Davis, you're talking about Hall of Famer type thing. Um, whereas like Jake Fromm was really, really good. But and I know it's kind of the same thing as Richard Seymour versus Nate Chubb. I just think Nate Chubb was better in college than Jake Fromm was. I'll just be real. Uh, I think there's a degree of separation there. Um, but uh, in this now that he's in the second round against Max, uh, I, I, I'm I'm going to go Fromm here. He's an, he was an absolute winner. Um, There's a portion of He's an interesting character. There's a portion of the fan base that love him and respect him and appreciate him for everything he did. There's a portion that hate him because the whole Justin Fields dynamic Um, or always looking to to bring him down any way they possibly maybe hates a strong word, but looking to bring him down any way they can. So it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic with him, Uh, but he was, I think you have to admit he was always an incredible representative of the university of Georgia had some huge moments for us, led us to three sec title games, uh two sec or at least a one sec championship two sugar bowl appearances one victory there rose bowl appearance and an appearance in the national championship game um it was just an absolute winner for us man I, I think he could, could have put up bigger numbers if he was asked to um but um, uh, obviously we had a different kind of scheme to work with so i, I think it's pretty obvious here for me i'm going with jake from as well and he's advancing on to take on the winner of our next matchup Which uh, man? This was a good. This is another one I thought was a really good matchup. It was one of the closer matchups in the second round with the fan vote. We got Jarvis Jones versus quarterback DJ Shockley, and this is a great second round matchup. Honestly, this one is is kind of one that should have been maybe in the Sweet Sixteen or Elite A, is that quality of a matchup. The listeners sided with Jarvis Jones here, but this one kind of went back and forth. DJ had it for a while. Jarvis came on late, ended up winning uh, the listener vote with fifty-eight percent of the listener vote. Curtis. Who did you uh, – actually, before you answer this, Curtis, let me tell you what. I, I'm going to switch switch it up here. Listeners went with Jarvis. I actually went with DJ Shockley. And I'm going to let you cast a deciding vote here in just a second, Curtis, but let me explain to you why I went with DJ Shockley. All right? Number one, this comes down to, like, individual accomplishments versus intangibles in championship. Because if you look at, like, individual accomplishments, Jarvis wins. Okay? Now, DJ has some accomplishments. He was first team all-SEC. He was the uh, – MVP of the 2005 SEC championship game. But Jarvis was a record-setting player at the University of Georgia. All right, set their sack record. He was SEC defensive player of the year, two-time consensus All-American. So at a level of production that DJ never quite got to. But I am I also have to defend DJ here and say, you know what, DJ had one year to play. All right, he played some when Green was a starter, but it was Green's team. And Shockey was kind of just thrown in there at times, kind of keep him happy, I guess, and throwing a, a little bit of a different look. But he made the most of that one year that he did get, and I think when you factor in the fact that he led our team to an SEC championship, something that, and I know it's a different animal when you're talking about quarterback versus outside linebacker. But I think this is like where they, you might have a tie breaking thing. Look at and you say, okay, Shockley had that championship, all right? And he was all it was like he he wasn't accomplished himself. Like he, again, he had first, he was first team All SEC, player of the game, MVP in the in the 2005 SEC title game, plus. I think you have to respect the man for what he did. Staying with the University of Georgia, not transferring when he had the opportunity to, with almost any other quarterback this day and age would transfer, he stuck with his team, waited his turn, and made the most of it. And I will always and forever love and respect DJ Shockley for that. So he's, a, he's an all-timer in my book. He only laid one year as a starter. So that's why I go with Shockley. But the listeners go with Jarvis Jones. And it's hard to argue with that. So you had the deciding vote, my friend. Who are you going with? I'm going with Jarvis Jones, and I think it's just all the
1: record-setting things that you're mentioning about him. Is that yeah. is that what makes him? Um, I mean, you got to think, too. Jarvis Jones had a story to tell. I mean, he goes out to USC as a highly rated recruit, and then they won't even clear him. So this guy's not sure if his career's over or where he is um, in his yeah. career and decides to come back to Georgia and ends up getting cleared. And then um, all of a sudden became a record-setting guy. You know, we talk about everything David Pollack, um has accomplished while at the University of Georgia, and Jarvis Jones beat all those records.
0: Yeah, that's that's true, man. Uh, at least single season record. Yeah, that's uh, and that's it, hard to argue. You Make a really good point there. I guess this comes down to just this is a heart thing for me. Maybe a heart over a head thing. I just I I love Jarvis and I have a lot of affection for him, but I just not to the level I have for DJ Shockley. Like sticking around, winning that title. Uh, I, I just love the guy, uh, and so it's my personal affection. So maybe that's clouding kind of my judgment here. I don't know. I mean, everything you said makes a lot of sense. I'll also say this. Um, I don't, and this is probably not fair at all because they ultimately did end up here in Athens, but we recruited Jarvis out of high school, and Jarvis kind of shunned us and goes cross-country to USC. Now, like you said, he had the whole thing there with uh, with, uh, with the injury when Kiffin comes in uh, and ends up here, which is great. I, and I love the guy. It's not a big deal at all, but like when you're talking about a guy like Shockley, who to me is one of the most beloved dogs of the past 20 years, um, I think that has to factor in, for me, at least a little bit. So I went with Shockley, but... You and the listeners are uh, overriding me here. Jarvis Jones moves on to take on Jake Fromm in the Sweet 16. So that's another fun matchup that we'll have for you guys on social media later this week. All right, moving on to the Black Reach. Now, this one, Kerr, like, uh, this was probably, actually, I think this was the closest vote uh, with the listeners and went back and forth. I retweeted a couple of times to try to, it was actually tied like 50 50 for a while. And then, uh, it kind of broke one way. So this is Rennie Curran, linebacker Rennie Curran, versus running back Robert Edwards. Edwards ends up winning the listener vote with 54% of their vote. However, I think you might have gone with someone else. Who did you go with, Curran? Did you go with Edwards or Curran? I went with Curran. Yeah, I I also did too. Um, This is the one matchup. Where we, you and I, are going to actually override the listeners, and I feel bad doing this, but it was really close. So, I mean, there are a lot of listeners that were that were split here too. Um, so, tell me, Kurt, real quick, why Rennie over Robert Edwards? Um, I mean, Rennie had a great career. I mean, you I think I believe he led
1: the SEC for almost two years in tackle uh, tackles, and yeah. just everything he did while at the University of Georgia. Um, he was a uh, you know coming in playing as a freshman, not right away, but he ended up being a a piece, especially on the SEC championship team, um, and or not the SEC championship, but the Sugar Bowl cha- uh, yeah. championship team, um, yeah. and everything he did. And uh, Robert Edwards,
0: I believe, in my opinion, had an
1: up and down career. While he was, he had some major high points. Um, I don't think he was as consistent as Rennie was. It was
0: injuries, injuries, derailed his, his college career. Um, I mean, that, that's the bottom line. He never had, a, and we said this last week, he never had over a thousand. He never had a thousand yards rushing. But that wasn't because he wasn't good enough. It just was that he couldn't stay healthy long enough. He had had a knee injury. Um, and, and just dealt with some some injuries throughout his career. Uh, had a huge game against Florida in 97, and somebody – I think he had four touchdowns in that game, and somebody did mention that on social media, and that was a huge game. But I don't know if that game alone – I guess, I mean, it's an important game because we don't we didn't get – during that era, we didn't get too many victories against Florida. Now it's kind of become old hat for us. But back then it wasn't, uh, at least at that time. Um, and so that was a huge win, and he had a huge game. It probably the biggest reason why we ended up winning that game, obviously along with the offensive line as well. Uh, but, like, I don't think he was as accomplished as Rennie was in college. I go back to what you did in college. Now, Edwards was on track to be a really good uh, NFL player as well. He was drafted by the Patriots, had a good rookie year, and then, again, injuries popped up and just kind of derailed him. I mean, Rennie never really caught on much in the NFL, but Rennie was a first-team All-SEC player in 2009. Honestly, like, this is a tough one for me, and I see why uh, fans are split here, because, like, let's be real, Kurt. What do you say, like, if you're talking about the – the greatest players of the past 25 years in Georgia football history. Aren't both these guys kind of on the fringe of that, like really hardly in the conversation.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think they are.
0: Yeah. And it just so happened, like we did random matchups. It was randomly generated and kind of just came out this way where Rennie and Edwards uh, matched up in the second round. Like honestly, like if you put these guys up against almost anyone else that we've talked about so far, they probably lose. Like they're going to lose to Ben Watson and Rodrigo and Ogletree and Boykin and from and Jarvis and DJ. They just happen to match up against each other. So if somebody has got to move on, um, and you and I are both saying Rennie Curran on this one. The um, listeners were close, but they went with Edwards. So uh, Rennie moves on to the uh, Sweet 16, where he will take on the winner of our next matchup, which is offensive lineman Courtney Glenn versus outside linebacker Justin Houston. Houston um, got 87% of the listener vote. Kurt, I think you also went with Houston. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, uh, this is a this is a – I mean, we all went with Houston across the board. This was a clean sweep for him. Um, real quick, I don't want to spend too much time on this one. What made Houston uh, the obvious answer here over Cordy Glenn?
1: Um, I mean, I think that Houston, I mean, outside of a failed drug test, this guy was the first, would, would have been a first round pick. Yeah. I mean, to me, he an absolute stud, um, especially that last year. I th- keep thinking of the big plays he made against Tech when we were struggling. He's he all trying american to make a bowl game that year. Yeah, I mean the guy the guy just made big plays and I think that's what sticks out to me. I mean he I mean you see what he's done in the NFL and I and I mean Cordy Glenn's had a great career and then I think the big thing is Justin Houston was just you know, as we've said for quite a few people, but he was that first big um, outside linebacker that we really got that kind of yeah. changed things
0: um, in you know, where we were going. I want to say he was out of Statesboro area area. If i was uh, yeah, from Statesboro. Yeah, yeah. I want to say it was um, with John, a guy named John Knox. If anybody remember that blast in the past and obviously Houston panned out a lot more than Knox did. Um, yeah. Courtney Glenn was a really good player. I mean, he just wasn't as prolific as Houston was Houston that his final year. I mean, he's all American um, said had he led the NFL in sacks in 2014 He's a four time pro Bowl, So it was like, he had a better college career and a better and Houston and, and Glenn had a really good NFL career too. Uh, he's not currently with a team right now, uh, but he was a starter for a while. Uh, but Houston just had a better NFL career along with a better college career, in my opinion. So I think Houston's the obvious answer. Uh, all right, next one. Now, Curtis, this is another interesting one. Oh man, uh, this is a good one. Uh, so this goes back to how do you define greatness? So we have Terrence Edwards, wide receiver, Terrence Edwards, versus quarterback Matthew Stafford. Now, our listeners, Curtis, they went with sick. They went with Stafford with 68% of the listener vote. I, however, disagree. And I went with Terrence Edwards over Matthew Stafford. All right. And I'm old enough to watch both these guys very closely. I I was in high school towards the end of my high school years when, when Terrence Edwards uh, was, was breaking records. And then I was actually in college when Matthew Stafford was at Georgia. Uh, So I, I know both these guys very, very well. Like I'm sure all of our listeners do. So, we're split here, Kurt. So you, again, have the deciding vote. Are you going Stafford or Terrence Edwards? I want Terrence Edwards. I mean, the
1: guy is the last guy to actually throw – rece- uh, the only receiver the only. in Georgia history, to the only one to get a
0: 1,000 yards. Yeah. This is an interesting one. This is like – because I think if you ask the average fan on the street, right, if you're walking down the street and you grab some dude here in Athens, you're like, hey, Stafford or Edwards? And they'd be like, Edwards who? who? They would go with Stafford. I think like your average person – Probably would, but I just see it a little bit differently because, like, like here's the thing with Stafford. Uh, let me uh, let's just say this: like Stafford was a more talented player than Terrence Edwards. Is that fair to say? Very fair. Yeah, in terms of just raw talent, because I mean he's the number one NFL draft pick. I think people look at that and say, "Hey, Stafford's number one draft pick. He's over four thousand yards or five thousand yards in the NFL. Like he's been a star in the NFL for a while." I think a big part of it also is, it was like hype in potential versus production in college when it comes down to this. Matthew Stafford was really hyped up coming out of high school, number one quarterback, that first big one we got. Really, I guess I, I tell you that, DJ Shockley was a big recruit too, but Stafford was a huge recruit for Mark Rick. I mean, I was in college when, when we were recruiting him. I remember getting him and freaking out about it and talking about how great this guy was going to be. I Heck, I remember, um, what's his name, Mel Kuiper. before Stafford ever really played a game, said this guy is going to be the number one draft pick in three years. So he had the hype, um, all of that, the potential. And he was good in college, but Curtis was Matthew Stafford ever an elite college player? Um, I wouldn't say elite. No, no, he was good. He was really good. He he was never elite. I mean, I, I said this on the, on the show last week. He net he it, it was until it wasn't until his junior year, it took him that long for him to complete over sixty percent of his passes. He was good. He was never elite. Terrence Edwards, however, certainly didn't have the hype or the potential. Uh, or anything like that, but or the or, you know the, the the pro profile, NFL profile, anything like that. But in terms of production at Georgia, it's a no brainer. It's Terrence Edwards. You said it. I mean, he's, he was the only receiver in Georgia history to ever go for over a thousand yards in a season. He's still today first in in uh, Georgia history in career receptions, uh, receiving yards, and single season uh, uh, receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. First in Georgia history. Uh, when he reti- uh, when he when his career was over, he was uh, I think third in the SEC in career receiving touchdowns. Uh, when he would, when he graduated, he was also the SEC leader in career receiving yards. Now he's number three because obviously offenses have exploded le- recently. First team All SEC 2002. He was just the more accomplished college player, the better college player in my opinion. Doesn't mean he's going to be better in the NFL or make as much money as Matthew Stafford. Didn't have the hype, but in my opinion, he was more productive and a better college player while at georgia just my opinion and i think you agree with me there Curtis. so this is one more we kind of overrode this is, i guess there were two that we overrode the listeners here and uh terrence edwards not matthew stafford is moving on to the sweet 16 where he will take on the winner of our next matchup uh we're gonna spend like two seconds on this because it's obvious to me we got lorenzo carter great player very good player versus uh champ bailey uh curtis who's the winner here Champ Bailey, no question about no it. No question. Like, I don't even want to talk about it. I got, only I want to mention is, like, how did Champ Bailey not get 100% of the votes here? He got he got 92% of the listener vote. I, it's borderline blasphemy to me. I love Lorenzo. Good player. But, like, 8% of you, what are you doing? <laughs> what, what is happening? Champ Bailey is a Mount Rushmore toward the Bordo. He's an all-timer. Uh, at least the past 25 years. Lorenzo, good dude. Good player. But, come on, Champ. I just don't get that. But, yeah, definitely Champ. Uh, so, he will be taking on... Terrence Edwards in the Sweet 16. And that brings us to our final region of the second round. And this was, to me, this was some of the, the best matchups of the second round. And we're going to start off with a great matchup here in the, in the Silver region. I think this is awesome how this one worked out. In the second round, we had Sony Michelle versus DeAndre Swift. Battle of former running back teammates. Um, the listeners sided with Sony Michelle. With 78% of the listener vote, Curtis, do you agree? Are you going with Swift? I uh I went with Sony. Yeah, so you're going with Sony? Yeah, all right, I Swift. I agree. I went with Sony over Swift. Um, explain why Sony gets your vote, Kurt. Um,
1: to me, Sony did it all. Sony was the type of guy that would even go out there on special teams and you know, go balls to the wall. And I and I think I respect him for that. Um and I think that in reality I think Sony's a really good running back and I mean I think he was the difference maker especially as we made that run um towards the end of the season in his senior year.
0: Yeah, um, great, great points there. I totally agree. Uh, here's the thing: like I was curious to see what fans would say because Sony was really never the feature guy. He was kind of always the Robin to Nick Chubb's Batman. Uh, outside of the the second half of 2015, when Chubb goes down with the injury at, at Tennessee, obviously. Um, and uh Sony was the guy the rest of the way. He had a heck of a year 2015, that multiple hundred 125, 150 plus yard games was really good and showed what he could be. Like he could obviously could have been the guy if there was no Nick Chubb. Um so I was but I was curious to see how fans saw that because Swift was the guy for two seasons. Um but for me, like honestly, like if you look at their production, Sony, even though he was never the guy, this is crazy, like even though he was never the feature back. His two, his two best years, like the, the two years we had his most yardage, were better. If you combine those two years, were better than the last two years of DeAndre Swift, his 2018 and 2019 years. He actually had about 100 yards more. Sony, in 2015 and 2017 combined, Sony had about 100 yards more rushing than Swift did in 2018 and 2019 combined. And Sony wasn't even the feature guy. So imagine if he was the feature guy. Um, then you also got to factor in, kind of, again, the intangibles part. Uh, and Swift was on the 2017 uh, SEC title team. Rose Bowl champion team, national championship uh, appearance team, but he was not as big of a part of that team as Sony was. Sony was one of the heartbeats of that team, along with Nick Chubb and Roquan Smith, guys like that. Uh, and, and Sony, to me, like him coming back his senior year. Now you can, yeah, that, and you can argue and say, well, that was in his best interest to come back, probably. Uh, but the fact is, he came back, and I think a, a big part of that, him and Nick coming back, was also they just wanted they had unfinished business. They bought into Kirby Smart and helped launch the Kirby Smart era. So we all, I mean, 2016 was not a banner year for us. That was a tough first year, and those guys, Nick, Sony, Lorenzo, Davin, those guys coming back was huge. Um, I think you got to factor that in as well. Love DeAndre, great player, great leader. But uh, for the reasons you and I just outlined, I, I agree with you. I'm going with Sony Michelle here to move on to the Sweet 16. Where we're gonna have another great matchup in the Sweet 16 between uh the winner of this next matchup, we got Hines Ward. Mr. Do Everything hines Ward. I don't know, running back, quarterback, wide receiver in college. I think he started maybe might have even have started as a DB back in the day, versus running back No Moreno. It was just a good second round matchup. Uh, but Heinz uh was the clear winner among the listeners with 80% of the listener vote. Kurt, do you agree with the listeners?
1: Yeah, 100 percent I mean, Hines Ward was just I mean, the guy's a legend, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, really, really good. Um, elite running back while he was here. I, w- I would, I think it's fair to say. But you, you used the right word there. Hines is a legend, right? I mean, No, as good as he was, is he a legend?
1: I mean, kind of, but not to the level of
0: Hines. Not Lord. To Hines. Well, I, I mean, I don't. I don't know if I would say No, a legend. I, I think Nick Chubb is a legend. I, I, I don't think I don't know if we won enough. I mean, we won with No, Like we have a preseason number one, two thousand eight. We kind of fell flat on our face there, and he was really, really good. Um, but and Hines Ward, part of that legend, also goes to what he did in the NFL. You have to say that. But he was uh, just so versatile in college, just so many different things. We didn't win as much with him. Um, in the '90s, that's just kind of where our program was at that time. But so versatile, and he's like honestly, he's a borderline Hall of Famer. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I hope he gets in. I think there's a really good chance he will get in one day. Um, whereas NoShawn is not in that conversation. So we're talking about um, NoShawn, like really good player. Um, but. I just don't, and it kind of goes again, it goes back to like the Richard Seymour versus Nick Chubb argument. Uh, I see Hines and, and Seymour in, in a similar vein. I just think Nick Chubb's on a different level than Noshawn. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I agree. Like,
0: yeah. And like in terms of like the, like where you are in the Georgia Pantheon, I think Chubb's just a, a level above where Noshawn was. So uh, I'm going to go with Hines here, although I don't know if I would go with 80% of the vote. But um, yeah, Hines for sure. All right. Uh, moving on, got two more matchups here, and we are. Get out of here and get some of these uh, matchups for the Sweet 16 up on social media. We've got an interesting matchup. We've got a wide receiver DB matchup. We've got wide receiver A.J. Green versus cornerback DeAndre Baker. Um, both guys relatively recent. Baker obviously a little bit more recent. Our listeners went with A.J. Green with 84% of their vote. Kurt, you also went with A.J., as did I. Um, but Baker was a really good player. What put AJ over the top for you over uh, DeAndre Baker, who's the guy who won the Jim Thorpe Award for the best cornerback or the best team in America in 2018? So why AJ over Baker? I mean, similar to Heinz Ward, I mean, AJ Green's just a
1: legend. He'll forever go down in folklore, you know, for George Football. So sort of the plays he made and just that the player he was. I mean, the guy is probably the, I mean, yes, Terrence Edwards, the only guy to ever have a thousand yards but right now AJ Green will go down probably is probably the best UGA wide
0: receiver ever. AJ unequivocally would have broken that 1000-yard record if he hadn't got suspended for the first four games that year. If he if that hadn't happened, he unequivocally does it. He almost did it anyway that year. Um I, I, Edwards is the more accomplished, uh, more productive, I guess in terms of yards and receptions for a career than AJ was, but AJ was clearly the 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 most talented receiver we've ever had. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, maybe not the most productive necessarily, although he was inc- insanely productive. Clearly the most uh, talented player uh, to play that position for us, at, at least in my time watching. Um, and I would say, honestly, I, I mentioned that I think Gurley's the best player I've ever seen um, with my own two eyes. I think AJ's right up there. Like, he's one of the three most talented. Like, in talking about just pure God-given talent and ability, um, he's one of the top two or three for me that I've seen in a long time. Um, I, he was incredible. Just, and from the get-go, too, like, Baker was really good. It took Baker a minute. Like, let's not forget Briscoe. Remember old Briscoe, Kurt, <laughs> he was starting over DeAndre Baker uh, in two thousand in, in two thousand seventeen. I'm sorry, was it two thousand sixteen? Right, sixteen. It was sixteen, right? Yeah, it was sixteen. Uh, then he gets torched over and over again. Finally, Baker comes in, and in uh, the rest is history. You all know what what happens from there. He was a really big part of the two thousand seventeen team and two thousand eighteen. Wins the Jim Thorpe Award, um, but he wasn't like necessarily right away. AJ was right away. I mean, he won. Uh, he was freshman All American, uh, freshman of the year in the SEC, um, just an, an incredible player. And, we, won, and Baker's in the NFL. It was a first round pick. But AJ, since he's gotten the NFL, has been one of the best receivers in the league with a, I mean, average at best quarterback situation there in Cincinnati. Um, so AJ's a stud. AJ's a monster. And I think he's the answer here. All right, moving on to the next one here. Last matchup of the second round. So AJ's going to take on the winner of this last matchup between two big uglies. We've got two offensive linemen. Andrew Thomas and Matt Stinchcomb. I thought this was an incredible second-round matchup. I mean, both guys for the same position, essentially, uh, offensive tackle, both former all two-time All-Americans. Um, just a really interesting second-round matchup. The li- this was a pretty close one to the listener vote, relatively speaking, in the second round. Uh, and The listeners went with Andrew Thomas with 65% of their vote. However, I sided with Matt Stinchcomb on this one. And uh, and maybe this was me trying to go like against the grain and be like totally opposite of recency bias. And this is tough. Andrew Thomas was incredible, so good for us. But I I do remember Stinchcomb. I actually grew up in the Gwinnett County area, so I actually remember Stinchcomb going back to his high school days, and he was just a monster. Maybe that kind of clouded my my uh, uh, view of this and my vote. But um, it was really really tight for me. I just remember how good Matt Stinchcomb was, and um, he was a dominant player. And I and I knew no one was, I didn't think he was gonna get that much love. Uh, and he kind of was another guy who had a really promising NFL career ahead of him, but kind of washed out with injuries and just kind of, and he was a first round pick. With the injury buck hit him and he just never quite was able to capitalize on all the potential and ability that he had in the NFL. Hopefully, Thomas, that doesn't happen to him. But I went with Stinchcomb. Um But I wouldn't fault anyone who went with Andrew Thomas. So, Kerr, again, you did cast the deciding vote here. You go with Thomas or Stinchcomb?
1: I went with Thomas. Why did you
0: go Thomas over Stench?
1: um i mean i think a lot of it has to do with most recent, uh you know once again but at the same time i mean andrew thomas literally has been a day one starter since his freshman year and i think you gotta take that into account
0: That that's a really good point uh and, and this is not a, a, a knock on you at all like i think what you might have been maybe five or six when stenchcomb was playing so it's tough to hold that against you when you really didn't get to see the guy actually play i mean I know you, um whereas you obviously saw Andrew Thomas. And it's hard to argue against Thomas anyway. You're right. Uh, coming in as, a, as a freshman right away, being an, an impact guy, that's that's huge. Um, so that's tough to argue against. But uh, regardless, you and the listeners are overriding me. Andrew Thomas is moving on to the Sweet 16 to take on A.J. Green. But uh, all right, guys, that does it for stay here on the Glory UGA Podcast. So a lot of fun talking through these matchups. We are on to the Sweet 16 next week. We will put those matchups on Twitter for you guys. Uh, starting Thursday. We'll carry that on through the weekend. So make sure to check that out. You can find us on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. Make your vote, make your voice heard. And we will have the sweet 16 for you guys next week. But thanks for listening. Hope everyone's staying safe and sane out there. Uh, but for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Doll.